tonight we're, is going to kind of be like our New Year's message, okay? Uh, you know, that kind of ex- exhortation and that charge unto you guys uh, of what, you know, what your 2023, what it should look like regarding your faith. And tonight... We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, as Pastor Joel mentioned on Sunday, uh, when we're meeting together, it will be January 1st. We'll be jumping straight into Proverbs 1. So that's why tonight we're kind of doing that new year, new charge kind of ordeal tonight. So uh, if you're taking notes, the title of tonight's message is The Race of Faith. The Race of Faith. And like I said, if you have a Bible in front of you, I encourage you to open it up to Hebrews chapter 12. Just looking at two verses tonight, you guys, but I was just telling Pastor Joel before service that these verses are some of my favorite verses in the entire New Testament. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a, I'm a sports guy and I, I like athletics and, and different kinds of sports. And this, this text tonight kind of uh, leads itself towards that, that imagery that we're going to look at. But you know, the new year is right around the corner, and, and even now, and probably it's been going on, it's going to continue to happen over the next couple of days, people are making these things called New Year's what? Resolutions, right? What are some common resolutions? Oftentimes, it revolves around people losing weight or wanting to get more healthy or wanting to eat better, all of those things. Uh, sometimes people will set a New Year's resolution regarding maybe, maybe your school or maybe uh, you know, for, for adults, their career, they might have these goals they want to accomplish. Uh, some people, maybe it's just to, to save more money. Maybe they spent a lot of money in 2022. They want to save more in 2023. Or, you know, there's a ton of other things. Quality time with family. We could, we could go on and on and on. I didn't bother to, you know, give you this extensive list of resolutions because, quite frankly, I don't think you need to wait till January 1st to make a resolution in your life. I think you can make that resolution uh, tonight. And so tonight, I want to give you uh, the, a biblical charge. I don't know if you guys know what like a charge is, but like uh, what comes to my mind when I think of a charge is like when you have like a captain, right, who's about to lead an army into battle and there's like that motivational speech. Now, you know, God's word is more than a motivational speech, but for the sake of the illustration, kind of bear with me, that captain will give some sort of like motivational speech to his army to try and just get them fired up, ready to go into battle. And so tonight I want to give you a charge from God's word. And the charge is going to be that in 2023, that you would run your race by faith that you would run your race by faith. And this idea of running a race, some of you might be like, oh yeah, I've heard that before regarding, you know, the Christian walk, or I've read that in the Bible. It's not only in Hebrews 12, it's in a couple other parts of the New Testament. Um, And it it describes the Christian life. It describes you living for Jesus. It's described as a race in a couple of spots in scripture. And it's as though the moment that you come to Jesus, the moment you say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord, I want you to be my Savior, whenever that moment was for you, if you haven't had that moment, I pray that tonight you would have that moment where it's like, yeah, I need Jesus, I need him as my Lord and my Savior, but I'm assuming that I'm speaking mostly to those of you who've made that decision, but it's like when you make that decision, it's like your race begins. And I want you guys to imagine Look to the screen at that image right there. I want you to imagine that you are in that stadium, that Olympic stadium. I believe that was from 
the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. Pretty cool looking stadium. But you are not just in the stadium. You are actually down on the field. You are in one of those lanes on the track. And you're lined up in your lane with your brothers and sisters in Christ, your brothers and sisters in Christ on your left and on your right. And you guys are getting ready. You set up at the starting block and you hear those words. What are those words? On your mark, set, and then what do you hear? No, you don't hear go. In the Olympics, you hear uh, they fire a blank into the air, which is a, you know, a gunshot. But nonetheless, you guys, the starter says, on your mark, set, all right? And you take off. You begin running. You see, this race that I'm describing to you, this race that in Hebrews 12 that we're looking at tonight, it's not just an ordinary foot race that we're looking at. It's the race of your faith. It's what it means to run by faith. Our text today is all about what it means to run by faith, to run the race of faith. So you guys are open to Hebrews 12, yes? Look down in your Bibles with me. The writer of Hebrews, by the way, I'll just say, uh, the writer of Hebrews, we don't know for certain who it is. Uh, A lot of people think that it was Paul just based on the style of writing. There's some other potential authors, but nonetheless, the truth of Hebrews is why it's in the Bible. So if I say Paul, if I say the author of Hebrews, just know that I'm referring to whoever the man was that God used to write this letter to the Hebrews, all right? But he says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you now, just excited to be in your word. Lord, excited that, Lord, you spoke your word unto us. Lord, you've given us your eternal word and we can learn from it right now. And God, I pray that as we're all gearing up for this new year, Lord, and we we might be thinking about what do we want this year to be like? I pray that tonight that you would motivate us all to make it our resolve to run our race well in 2023 and beyond, not just for the year of 2023, but even farther than that, for the rest of our lives, Lord, until you call us home. Lord, we want to run well. And as we look into your word tonight, we pray that you would just bring understanding, that you would make it so clear what the Spirit has to say to us tonight. Give us ears to hear, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you guys are taking notes, our first point tonight is found in verse 1a, which means like the first part of verse 1. These verses are kind of longer verses. So we're just going to look at the first part of verse 1, which is the heavenly audience, the heavenly audience. And if you didn't notice, chapter 12, verse 1 starts off with the word, therefore. Now, I'm pretty sure I've heard Pastor Joel not that long ago, and I'm I'm pretty sure I've even said it myself to you guys at some point from up here, 
that when you see the word therefore when reading the Bible, don't let it be a word that you just gloss over and move on to the next thing. That word therefore is therefore a reason. You guys get what I did there? Yeah, it's there for a reason. So whenever you encounter that word, it's like what uh, J. Vernon McGee, you guys probably have no idea who that is, but an old Baptist preacher talked like a funny country guy. Uh, he would say, whenever you run into a therefore, ask yourself, what's it there for? And so when you see the word therefore, the way that it translates in, in my mind, and this is just kind of what helps me, is it translate to me, translates to me in light of this or in light of these things. And that's important for us to consider when starting our text today, when looking into our text today. So I want to ask you guys, if he's starting out with the word therefore, what do you think he's wanting us to take into consideration as we're about to consider what he's saying? It sounded confusing. But what do you think he wants us to think about as we're about to look in verses one and two right here? What he just said, which would then be what? The previous chapter, right? Chapter 11 of Hebrews. So I want you guys to just for a moment, I don't want you to, you know, uh, take too long to do this, but I want everyone to just look down in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, we told you to get one. So, uh, but look down in your Bibles and I just want you to gloss over. When I say gloss over, I just mean kind of skim through, just look quickly through chapter 11. Just the, the, you should only have to turn one page if any pages, it might be on the same page, but I just kind of want you to look through it quickly. It's a kind of large chapter. There's 40 verses, but just kind of take a look. I want you to see if you can get the main idea of what's going on in chapter 11. And I'm just going to give you like 30 seconds to a minute to do that. Try not to get hung up on any one part of chapter 11, but look for the main idea, the main concept here, okay? All right, now I told you it was going to be quick, but hopefully that was enough time. What, what did you guys notice about chapter 11? Did anyone notice anything kind of going on in that chapter? Yes, sir. What did you notice? Yeah. Talks about faith. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Would, would you guys all agree that the chapter is kind of all about biblical faith? And then it gives us what? It gives us a lot of examples of those who ultimately they're all from what? The Old or the New Testament? They're all from the Old Testament because this is, you know, the time of the New Testament when Hebrews was written. So there are all these Old Testament examples that are given to us of what a lifestyle kind of by faith looks like, of what running by faith looks like. It's about how those who went before us, those Old Testament examples, how they ran their race by faith. You see that word therefore at the beginning of chapter 12, it, it immediately points our attention to the men and women that are mentioned in chapter 11 because it's important for us to consider that as we're about to look in 
to what he says in chapter 12. But this uh, chapter 11, you guys, does anyone uh, know the, the phrase that people often refer to Hebrew, Hebrews 11 as? The hall of? The hall of faith, yeah. You guys know how there's like a hall of fame in every professional sport, how when you, you know, when you've been uh, amazing at that particular sport, how eventually when you retire and then time goes on, if you had a really good career, you make it into the hall of fame. And this is kind of like the hall of faith. Those who've gone before us that gave us amazing examples of what it looks like to run a race of faith. And we're not going to spend too much time looking at, because we're looking into chapter 12. I don't want to spend too much time in chapter 11, but I do want to highlight just two of these guys mentioned in uh, Hebrews 11. And yes, there are ladies mentioned in there as well, but we're just going to look at two of the more popular examples uh, that are mentioned here. And the first one is Noah. All right, Noah, he's mentioned in verse seven of chapter 11, and it tells us that it was by faith that Noah took God's warning seriously. What was God's warning that God told Noah? That there's going to be a flood that covers the earth, right? And he tells Noah this because the Bible says that Noah found grace in God's sight, meaning that Noah was living a lifestyle that was pleasing to God, and because of that, God warns Noah and says, hey, this is going to happen. But he doesn't only tell him that a flood's going to happen. He tells him to build a what? Build the ark. Yeah, he says, Noah, I want you to build an ark so that you and your family can be saved. Now, the crazy thing, and we, we went through our Genesis series, if you guys were around a few months back, we went through the Genesis series. Pastor Joel taught you guys through Genesis, and we looked very extensively at Noah but the crazy thing about God telling Noah that there's going to be this flood is he says it's going to rain upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And if you guys remember, what had never happened up until this point in history? Rain had literally never happened. And so it's, it's almost like you can imagine this conversation between God and Noah. That God, he's like, Noah, you, you found grace in my sight. Good job. I want you to build a giant ark for you, your family, and, and all these animals that are going to come to you, for all of you to be spared. And Noah's like, okay, God, I'm going to trust what you're telling me and build the ark. But just, just curious, God, how are, how are you going to flood the earth? How's that going to happen? What's it going to look like? And it's like God says, well, I'm going to make it rain, and I'm going to open up the fountains of the deep. And Noah's like, okay, I get what you're saying, but uh, what, what in the world is rain, right? And God's like, you know, this is an imaginary conversation, loosely, you know, translated from the Bible. No, it's not even in the Bible, but an imaginary conversation. Uh, and it's like Noah's like, what is this rain thing? And God's like, well, water's going to, you know, fall from the sky. And it's like, uh, okay, all right, that's enough for me. And it's awesome because Noah didn't have to know about this concept of, of rain before it happened because he had faith. He trusted in what God said. And he obeyed. He heeded the voice of the Lord. You see, even though the flood would not come for many, many years from the time that Noah was warned, there would be a, many decades that would even pass. Noah, he obeyed the Lord and he built the ark by faith. Noah is an awesome example of what it means to run a race by faith. And real quickly, let's look at Abraham as well. Abraham, we see in chapter 11, he's talked about in 
uh, verses 8 through 10 and 7 through 19. And the story of Abraham kind of goes like this, that, you know, Abraham, he's, he's living his life and it, God visits him and says, Abraham, I am going to lead you to a land that I will show you. He doesn't even tell him where he's going to be led yet, but he says, I'm going to lead you to a land that I'm going to eventually show you. And it's like Abraham being the successful man that, that he was, he was very successful. He had great possessions. He could have said, you know what, God, I'm, I'm actually pretty cool right here where I'm at. You know, I don't need to go to a land that you're going to show me. I could, I could stay right here, but he doesn't say that. He says, okay, Lord, I will obey you. I will heed your voice. I will, I will listen. I will trust and as time went on, God loved Abraham's obedience so much that God ends up making a covenant with Abraham. And this covenant was essentially that through Abraham, there would come a set apart nation for the Lord himself and that Abraham's descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And because this covenant that God was making with Abraham was, was such a big deal, that's a pretty big deal if you ask me, God saw it fit to test the faith of Abraham. And we know this as a story of who? Who did? How, yeah, Isaac, exactly. We know this as a story of Abraham and Isaac. God tells Abraham, Abraham, rem, rem, be reminded, this is a test of Abraham's faith. God says, Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac, the son through whom the covenant I made with you is going to be fulfilled, that son. I want you to take him up the mountain and I want you to sacrifice him on the altar. And Abraham, he heard the command from God. He ascended Mount Moriah with his son Isaac by faith. He bound his son up to the altar by faith. And he was about to slay his son because in Hebrews 11, it says that Abraham knew that if God was commanding him to do this, that God would somehow make a way for Isaac to even be raised up from the dead because Abraham trusted in the covenant that God made with him. But we know the story goes that an angel of the Lord stops Abraham as he's about to slay Isaac on the altar and that because of this, God blesses Abraham and goes on to keep his covenant with him. See, Abraham, he ran his race by faith. And as we look into Hebrews 12, he says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We looked at the word therefore, we just talked a lot about one word. Now we're moving on. But that one word's important for us to set the stage of what's being said here. He says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. See, the, the writer of Hebrews, he continues to describe this race-like setting by saying that we're surrounded by these witnesses. And what that means is ho hopefully you were able to catch what he's talking about after you looked at chapter 11. These witnesses, who do you guys think these witnesses are? If we just looked at the word therefore that pointed us to chapter 11 and he says we're surrounded by these witnesses, who do you think these witnesses are? The people he mentioned in chapter 11, right? And he says we're surrounded by these witnesses, these men and women of God who ran by faith. 
And I love this because the imagery that the, the author of Hebrews is putting forth is that these witnesses are like the spectators. Remember how I described to you that race that you're getting ready to run, that you're in that lane? You're getting ready. You hear the, you hear the, on, the on your mark, get set, go, right? And you start running. In the stands are the spectators. In the stands are these witnesses. Now, I want to say this, scholars, Bible scholars, they, they differ. They kind of have two different opinions on this. Some debate on if these, these heavenly witnesses are actually in heaven looking down on us as we run our race by faith. And then some of, uh, some of those Bible scholars are like, no, this is kind of just uh, figurative language that the author was using. Either way, it, the, the image that we get is that they are in the stands cheering us on as we run our race by faith. Like I mentioned at the beginning, I'm, I'm a sports guy and I love watching sports. I love going to sporting, sporting events. And there's something about fans in a stadium cheering for teams that is just awesome. I don't know if you guys remember this picture uh, when, when COVID first happened. Do you guys remember when sports basically got canceled? Yeah? And then eventually sports started to come back, but sports kind of look like this. Literally teams, oh, let's go back, sorry. Literally teams playing against each other with nobody else in the entire stadium. I remember watching it on TV. I remember that year the Lakers were having a good year. I think they went on to win it. Uh, but I remember it just being so quiet in the stadium that you could hear their shoes squeak on the floor, Right? And there's these games, that are baseball games and, and football games, even, they're all happening with no fans. It was pretty lame, I got to say. It was not a high moment for sports. But nonetheless, when they, when they eventually went on to bring fans back to sporting events, you want to know the, the one thing that a lot of the players kept saying they missed the most? They missed the fans. They miss playing in front of the fans, the spectators. And the athletes would always say how much the, the spectators, how much the fans being there meant to them. You see, the writer of Hebrews, he wants us to understand that we're surrounded with witnesses that are cheering us on like this. And I had to throw in the angels pick. If you guys know me, I'm an angels fan. This was probably from 2002. All right, relax, relax. This is probably from 2002 when the Angels actually had a good season and went, won it all, but that's been like 20 years, but who's counting? Uh, but nonetheless, right, these, these fans are excited for their team. They're cheering their team on. They're trying to motivate their team to do well. And the writer gives us this imagery. It's like we have these heavenly spectators who are cheering us on and are like, I ran my race by faith. I know you can run your race by faith too. You see, the writer says that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The word surrounded, you guys, it, you know, it lends itself to that Olympic stadium type view where there is literally people all around and we're surrounded by this cloud. You're like, wait, a cloud? Are we talking about a cloud? The word actually translates to the word crowd. All right, so that kind of, you know, helps you understand it a little bit more. He's not talking about a literal cloud, like a gray cloud just around you as you're running your race. No, he's talking about how you have this heavenly crowd who is surrounding you, witnessing as you run your race by faith. You guys ready to move on to our second point tonight? 
Our second point tonight, we see in the second part of verse 1, 1b, and that is that we must, as we run our race by faith, we must shed the weight. To shed the weight. What does he say in the second part of verse 1? He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Because we're running a race of faith, any weight or sin in our lives that prevents us from running well ought to be laid aside. That word lay aside is a, it's a word that is used numerous times throughout the New Testament, oftentimes by Paul in uh, Colossians 3a. I don't know if you guys remember when we went through Colossians 3 together when we talked about putting on and putting off. That was I don't even know how long. It's probably eight months, maybe. It's been a while, but some of you were here. Maybe you remember, maybe you don't. But nonetheless, it's the same word as put off or the same word as cast off. And in Colossians 3.8, Paul says in in the third chapter of Colossians like this, he says, but now you yourselves are to put off all these. And then he goes on to list a handful of sins. He says, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. And he goes on even further in that chapter. Or in Romans 13, 12, he says that we are to cast off, same word as lay aside, we are to cast off the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light. Now notice in, just look at the top underlined part, the part from Hebrews uh, 12. Notice how he says, there is a, he, he makes a distinction between weight and sins. Do you see how he kind of says them separately? He doesn't just say lay aside sin. He could have said that, and that would have been fine, but he also identifies weights. So what's the difference between sins and weights? Well, sin, you guys, you could think about it like this. We, we, you know, we talk about sin uh, you know, with, that needs to be repented of, sin that needs to be cast off. Sin itself is essentially just committing an offense against God. Now, sometimes you know when you can commit an offense against God. God's, uh, you know, his, his law says not to steal and you stole. Or it says not to lie and you lied, right? Sometimes we know when we've committed sin. Sometimes we don't. There are these things in the Bible called sins of omission, where it's like you might not have known that you did something wrong, but you still did something wrong. All right, and those are still sins as well. But sin in and of itself, is, it, the idea is just to commit an offense against God. You see, every, every true Christian, I know it's not a popular thing to teach in, uh, in some churches. In this church, you, you hear the truth. But in some churches, they don't talk about repenting of sin or laying it aside. But every true Christian knows this if you've even looked into a couple of pages of the Bible. That sin has no place in your life. That you are not to live in sin. Whether it be pride or, or lying or lust or covetousness, we could keep going all day. You ought to know that if you are a Christian, that you're not to live in those things. That when you make those mistakes, that you repent of them and you do not do them again. That's what repentance means. But what are these things? Weights. All right, this is important. He says sins, but he also says weights. Weights, you guys, are, you know, they're, they're not sinful in and of themselves, 
okay? So it could just be a neutral thing, a neutral thing. And we have, you know, in, in the entertainment age that we live in, we have plenty of neutral things. Like, I just saw a guitar right now, all right? Playing a guitar is a neutral thing. It can be used for good, but if you start idolizing and all your life is built around is just being good at the guitar, that can become a weight in your life and then it becomes sinful. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? How it can be a neutral thing that eventually becomes a bad thing if you don't handle it the right way. And weights, you guys, they are these things that hold us back from running to our fullest potential. And I actually wanna illustrate this to you guys today. And for this illustration, I do need one of the young men in this room to volunteer. I need a, I need a guy who's sturdy and can uh, hand, handle a little weight. Let me get uh, Sean. You come on up. You were pretty excited to raise your hand. Sean, I want you to join me on the stage. He might embarrass himself. I'm going to, you know, spoiler alert, he might embarrass himself. All right, Sean. Sean, right now, you guys, he is about to run his race, all right? We're going to think about Sean as uh, going to run his race. But before Sean runs his race, Sean, I want you to just uh, stand right there. Just don't move for me. I am just going to just, uh, I hope you don't mind this. You know, I know you got to run your race and everything, uh, but can you bring your feet a little closer together, actually? I'm not going to tie it too tight. But Sean, um, how do you think you would run if I had just tied up your feet? And imagine I put a couple more knots than I just did. How's Sean going to run, everybody? He's going to hop and he's eventually going to fall on his face, right? He is not going to run well. And you guys, the Bible says that sin ensnares us, right? He says, therefore, let us lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us. You can think about how sin ensnares us like this cord I just tied around his feet. But here's the thing, you guys, we often don't think about sin like this. We tolerate it. We think it's okay sometimes. We don't repent of sin. We just allow it. But how are you going to run if your feet are tied together like this? You're going to run a horrible race. You're quite frankly, you're not going to run at all. You're going to hop and you're going to fall down. You're going to hop, you're going to fall down. And some people live their Christian lives like this where it's like, oh my gosh, it's just like I try so hard and then I fail and then I try so hard and then I fail. Maybe your feet are tied together. Maybe you have sin that you have just allowed to stay wrapped around your ankles that's preventing you from running. Let's give it up for Sean. But Sean, stay here. He's not done. You can, you can take that off. But what about weights, you guys? What about weights? This is where it gets kind of interesting. Sean, I hope you're a strong guy because I got some things for you. So remember, you guys, when we talk about weights, you can just go ahead and put that on. This is a, Be careful with this. This is my hiking backpack. I like that backpack a lot. But I chose it for a reason because it's pretty sturdy. Now, weights, you guys, remember, we mentioned them as what? They're neutral things, right? They're not really good things and they're not really bad things, but they're things that can become bad when we don't handle them properly, okay? So I want to give you some examples. And if God convicts you on some of these tonight, then maybe there's a reason he convicts you. Let's, uh, let's take this for example, the weight of YouTube, all right? Now, I'll be the first to say, 
that I enjoy watching YouTube. You're like, Tate enjoys watching YouTube? I really like watching golf YouTube. I'm a golfer, and you're like, that's so boring, so lame, Tate. Whatever, I enjoy it, all right? But sometimes I'll be watching golf videos. You know, there's these guys who play golf. They'll go to these really nice courses, and they'll kind of just vlog their, their round, and it's pretty exciting to me. I really like it. Uh, but sometimes, you guys, YouTube, which is either, you know, I suppose there's bad things on YouTube, but let's say you're not watching the bad things. Let's just say you're watching things that aren't good or bad. They're just entertainment, right? YouTube, if it's not watched in moderation, if you're spending like nine hours of your like 12 hours awake, or even a couple hours when it's like you have so much more you could be doing that's beneficial, it becomes a weight. Now, Sean's a pretty strong guy, right? He could probably still, you could probably still run okay, but are you going to run as fast as you could if you weren't wearing that backpack? The, the bottom line is no, you can't. But hold on, Sean, we're not done. Now, I know this one, you guys are in junior high, so this is probably a little bit more applicable to high schoolers, but social media, all right, whether it be, you know, there's only a couple on here, Instagram, Facebook, you guys don't really do Facebook anymore, uh, but some people do, old people do. I still have my Facebook, but I don't really go on it ever. Uh, TikTok, though, I know that's pretty big nowadays. I know some of you guys love TikTok and love watching goofy videos and lame dances and whatnot. Um, <laughs> Then there's also Twitter, which Twitter, I can't imagine that too many of you guys are on Twitter. But nonetheless, social media, is social media a bad thing, you guys, in and of itself? Is it a bad thing? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's actually a bad thing in and of itself. Like YouTube, if you're, you know, doing bad things on social media, then yes, it's a bad thing. But in and of itself, social media is fine. It's actually enjoyable sometimes to be able to see Oh my gosh, this guy I haven't seen in uh, three years, uh, he went on this awesome vacation with his family to Hawaii. That's super cool for him, right? And I enjoy seeing things like that. But when I'm spending too much time on social media, when you're spending too much time on social media, it's a weight in the bag. You ready for another one? You might want to start widening like your stance and, you know, getting ready because I got a lot more for you, Sean. All right, I think this might get some of you, probably most of you boys, Uh, Maybe not all of you boys. Uh, What about video games, right? Now, like other forms of weights, there are bad video games that you should not be playing. If your parents say you should not play those games and you're playing those games, you are sinning. But video games, there's fine video games like uh, NBA 2K or NFL. You know, there's, there's, there's certain games that are fine. But here's the thing. If your life, and believe me, you guys, in high school, you want to know how I was in high school regarding video games? I would come to church on Sunday morning, going on about like two hours of sleep, because all night, the night before, I was playing Call of Duty with my friends. No, you shouldn't, you shouldn't cheer for that, because I would show up to church, I'd be half asleep, you'd ask me what the sermon was about. Three minutes after the sermon just ended, and I, I, I couldn't even tell you the slightest of what the sermon was about. And what I would be thinking about during the sermon, you want to know what I thought about? Oh, how about when I, when I go get in and out to church and I get home, I'm going to go straight to playing Call of Duty with the boys again, right? And this neutral thing became a weight in my life 
because I wasn't handling it properly. Now I'm going to kind of speed up because we got a we got a good amount more here. What about things like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime? When you guys are just binge watching hours and hours. Okay, let's uh, let's be uh, let's be real here. I'm going to raise my hand too. But how many of you have watched so much Netflix at one time that the notification comes up? Are you still watching? I've done it. Yeah. And it's pretty embarrassing when that happens. I'm like, have I really been sitting here for that long that I have a television asking me if I'm still watching? And what I usually do, I usually cook. Yeah, I'm still watching. Let's go to the next episode. (laughs) Right. But Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, these, these television, you know, whether it's, if you have cable, uh, you're living in the stone age, but Hey, you're still watching TV. Nonetheless, YouTube TV, that's a streaming service. Same thing. All of that kind of combined into the television weight. Again, there's bad stuff on television. There's bad stuff on Netflix. You need to be careful what you're watching if you have access to those things. But there's shows that are neutral. I I watched a hunting show not that long ago, Meat Eater, pretty cool show. I'm not a hunter, but the show is just like mesmerizing, right? But if you're watching these things for hours upon hours... It's a weight in the bag. Sean, how's that, how's that bag feeling? You feeling like you could run, uh, you know, a, a seven-minute mile with that on right now? Probably. I don't think you could. All right. Next one. This is kind of an interesting one. Uh, music. Music is kind of an interesting one because there is a lot of trash out there. And believe me when I say that there is a lot of trash. So on Spotify, I don't know if you guys know this, but it's a pretty cool feature. You can actually turn off uh, explicit songs to where they won't even, it won't even let you play. So I always just keep that on. But even with that filter on to where I can't hear anything explicit, there's still a lot of trash music out there. And quite frankly, I see some of you guys with AirPods in sometimes on Sundays and Wednesdays. I ask you, I'm like, what are you listening to? And, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily super pleased to hear the things that you're listening to. Um, I don't listen to the junk you guys listen to, but I know that there is a lot of junk out there. Music can become a weight in the bag. All right, moving on. We only got two more, even though there's a lot of weights. If you haven't been convicted by one of these yet, maybe you'll get convicted on this. Is your life built all around sports? Is your life only dedicated to you being good at your sport and you miss church because of it. You guys are, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know I'm being funny up here and I'm telling jokes and stuff, but you guys, this is serious because Sean right here, if he was to race, he's going to be a very poor runner. And these are weights that while you're not wearing a literal backpack that weights are going into, the verse describes that you could be running your race with a bag full of weights being a terrible example of what it means to run by faith. And the last one, you guys, this is a middle school applicable one for sure, is just outright laziness and sleep. Believe me when I say I love sleep. I enjoy getting a full eight, sometimes nine hours each night. It's great. Sleep is good. 
But if you're sleeping all day and you're napping all day and you're not getting anything productive done, it's a weight in the bag. Now, Sean, as, as, as funny as he might be, if he were real with himself, if I zip up this backpack and we go to a track, Sean, there's no way you're beating me in a race. I'm just going to tell you that. Um, but you guys, we sometimes, you could take this off. This is probably pretty heavy by now. Not really. That's, it's pretty heavy. He's trying to look strong, but that's cool. Sean, you're good. Let's give it up for Sean. So that was a very long-winded, but hopefully in your mind, it's clicking. It was a long-winded illustration, but I hope that you guys are seeing that there might be some weights because if, if I'm being real with myself going into 2023, as I was studying for this, I'm like, man. I got some weights I need to lay down. I got some weights I need to lay aside. If you got sin in your life, obviously get, get that sin out of your life. But if you're carrying weights, if you're running with weights, you're not going to be a good runner. You're not going to run your race by faith to your fullest potential. And I want you guys to all internally ask yourself this question. It'll be on the screen for you to look at. Just ask yourself this question. What is currently holding me back from running to my fullest potential? Now, the sad reality is some of you don't care about running to your fullest potential. Some of you are like, you know what? I like my weights. And if that's you, then the Lord's going to have to, he's going to have to convict you by his Holy Spirit, like he does with us all over time. But if you're serious about your relationship with God, if you're serious about living for him, What's currently holding you back from running to your fullest potential? What are the weights that are in the bag? You see, in swimming, you guys, you're like, whoa, this is a change up. But in swimming, I used to be a swimmer. Before big races, swimmers will buy the most expensive swimsuits they can buy because these swimsuits are what? They, they are hydrodynamic. They glide through the water. And even though it may only shave off like just a half a second off of their overall time. They do it because a half a second could be the, the difference between them losing and winning a race. Are there sins or are there weights in your life that you need to lay aside tonight? If so, God is, he's calling out to you tonight saying, lay them down so that you can run your race of faith with endurance. The author, he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The idea of endurance, you guys, is with constancy, with steadfastness, having stamina, the ability to just keep going. That's how your race should look. The Christian life, it's not a sprint where it's like you run 100 yards, you're like, Whew, I'm tired, I'm gonna stop. No, it's a marathon, you gotta keep going. And God gives you the ability to keep going. But if you got weights in your bag, you're not going to run with endurance. That's just the reality. No Olympic runner would go to their race with a backpack full of weights. That would be a joke. They go into the race having trained, having worked so hard, their diet being so precise so that they can run well. It's impossible to run your race of faith with endurance when you're bound up in sin and when you're carrying weights. And the way the, the, the writer of Hebrews describes it is that 
we have our own race that we're running, meaning you have your own weights. You have your race that you're worried about. You know, sometimes we're so petty. We get concerned about other people's races. You know, when we see a brother or sister falling down, like, yeah, obviously help them up. But when you see your brother or sister thriving in the Lord and they're doing awesome and you're like, oh man, I'm just such a loser. All right. We get, we, we get so comparative. We compare ourselves to one another. The Bible says that those who do that are not wise. Simply put, run your race. Don't worry about the race of the person to your left, the person to your right. Keep your eyes on your race. Actually, the better way of saying it leads us to our third point and our final point is keep your eyes on the prize. Eyes on the prize. You guys ever heard that slogan before? Eyes on the prize. What is our prize? Well, we see it in verse two. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You see, Jesus is to be our focus as we run our race of faith. Jesus himself is to be what our eyes are looking towards as we run. See, whenever our eyes turn to the left or turn to the right or turn back or are just looking at other things, we're not gonna run well. It actually spells for disaster. You see, when this is just a funny illustration. When I was probably about your age, I went biking with my friends to the beach. Uh, my friend and his dad, we were going down this really big hill and I just had a street bike. It wasn't nothing special. They had their you know, nice speed bikes and everything. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. But we're going down this hill and I'm actually out in front. Not that we were racing, but I was out in front and I'm like, whoa, I'm flying down this hill. And guess what I did? I looked back instead of forward. If you ever rode a bike before, you know that you should not look back because what usually happens? Boom, I fell so hard. I was just messed up. I was in so much pain, you guys. And I was moving fast. But I took my eyes off of what my eyes should have been on. Now for me riding my bike, it was simply just keeping my eyes forward. But for us running our race, our eyes gotta remain on Jesus. He is our focus as we run. He says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. The author and the finisher of our faith, you guys. The author translates to the word the originator or the word the trailblazer or pioneer, the one who paved the way. And this makes total sense that Jesus is the author of our faith because in John 14, 6, he says that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Because of Jesus, there is a way to the Father and he is the only way to the Father. He is the one who pioneered our faith. He is the one who made the way for us to be with God forever. But he's also the finisher. He's the one who perfects or completes our faith. And I love this idea, you guys. Jesus himself is the destination of our race. You see, we sometimes get messed up here and we think that heaven, where Jesus is, is the destination and I suppose, you know, because the Bible teaches that we're going to be in heaven when we die one day or when we're raptured, that's fine to think that. But an even better way to think about it, you guys, is Jesus is our destination. He's where we go. He, to be with him is where we'll be when we pass or when we are raptured. 
And what does te- what is, what is the writer of Hebrews tell us about Jesus's race, the race that, the life that Jesus lived, the example he gave us? It says that for the joy that was set before Jesus, you guys, sorry if you didn't get all those notes, you can come find them later, but who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. You see, it was for the joy that was set before Jesus that he was able to go through what he went through. But I wanna ask you guys, was Jesus dying on the cross? Was the pain and the shame he experienced, were those joyful things? Obviously not, right? But the Bible says that there was a joy that was before him that caused him to endure the cross and despise the shame. The joy, you guys, was the fact that humanity, through the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, would one day be reconciled to God, that anyone who who was apart from God, who was separated from God by their sin, could now have a right relationship with God because of Christ. Not because of anything that we have done, but all because of what he has done. You see, the bottom line is the joy that was set before him. Everybody look at me. The joy that was set before him was you, and it was me, and it was all who would call upon the name of Jesus. See, Jesus could metaphorically and, you know, obviously spiritually too, he could, do, he could do anything, but it's as though he could see into the future and see that day when you and I would be with him in heaven forever. And because of that, he was able to endure. You see, when we're running our race of faith, you guys, we're gonna encounter difficult times. It's difficult times. It's just, it's just the reality. 2023, hate to break it to you, I don't know if you guys remember in 2020, everyone was like, 2020, clear vision is, was like the slogan or whatever. And then 2020 went on to be an awful year for basically everybody. COVID hit, Kobe died, a lot of other things happened, right? I know, sorry to bring that up. But 2023, everybody look at me. It's, it's gonna be a hard year. It's gonna be a year full, full of ups, but you're also gonna experience some downs. But your race of faith You can run through it with endurance by keeping your eyes on Jesus, by laying aside the weights, by getting rid of the sin that has your legs tied up. Get rid of that, lay it aside and run with endurance. You see, it's through Jesus's endurance that we learn that he experienced his ultimate glorification. It says at the end of this verse, we're just gonna talk about it real quick says that he he went on to be seated at the right hand of God, his glorification. And in a similar way, you guys, not the same way, we're not going to be glorified like Jesus in that sense, but in a similar way, when we run our race by faith and when we have endurance and when we get to the finish line, you will be rewarded for running well. So in closing, you guys, just to yourself, just think. How was your race this past year? If you were to just think about 2022, just that year alone, forget all the years that led up to 2022. In 2022, how was your race? Just think to yourself. 
Did it consist of you enduring through difficult times? Did, did it consist of you just the whole time, just having sin, just wrapped around your ankles? Did it consist of you maybe not having sin wrapped around your ankles, but having a backpack full of weights and barely moving forward? Because you have things that are holding you back from running to your fullest potential. See, whatever the case was last year, I want you to know that this upcoming year doesn't need to be that way. And these are all just things that we talked about today. The takeaways, you guys, if you can, if you can get this, then I'm convinced that you can run your race this year well. First one is to remember the examples. Remember the witnesses. Remember the testimonies of those who've gone before us, who've given us great examples of how to run by faith. The next thing is to lay aside the sin that ensnares and the weights that slow down. That's as simple as, I know Sean, he's back there now, but if Sean was up here, it's just taking the backpack off, saying, Lord, take these weights from me. They're slowing me down. I want to run well. Take the backpack off tonight. To run with endurance, to keep moving forward, to have stamina in your walk with God. And then finally, and I would argue most importantly, is to keep your eyes laser-locked on Jesus, where you don't look to the left, you don't look to the right, you don't look behind because your eyes are on him. If you can do these things, 2023 is going to be a great year, and it doesn't have to stop at 2023. You can finish your race running well. So let's pray as we close. Lord, we come before you, and Lord, I pray that everyone right now would do as the Bible says and examine ourselves. Your word tells us to examine ourselves. And what that means is for us to look inwardly, for us to take inventory of our lives. How are we really doing? Lord, I pray that students right now would ask themselves that question. How, how is my race? How is my, am I, am I running by faith? Are my feet tied up with sin? Am I carrying weights in my, in my backpack that are slowing me down? And students, right now, I would just challenge you to just let the Lord speak to you right now. I believe that he's speaking to many of you in this room right now of things in your life that you know you got to get right. Sins and weights that you got to lay aside. Or maybe your eyes just haven't really been on Jesus. They've been on other things. Put them on Jesus tonight. Lay aside the sin. Lay aside the weight and look to him. God, I pray that you would help us to do this. Lord, and we recognize that although we resolve to do this, Lord, there's going to be instances in the future where we might realize we're carrying another weight or we might get entangled in another sin. Lord, we thank you that there's forgiveness because of Christ. But God, we don't want to walk in sin. We don't want to walk carrying weights. We want to walk in a way that pleases you. And the only way we could do that, Lord, is by looking unto you. 
Help us to walk in the Spirit. Lord, as Paul the Apostle, Lord, towards the end of his life said that he ran his race. He fought the good fight. He ran his race. Lord, whenever our, the end of our days here may be, I pray that we would all be able to reflect on our life and say the same thing. I ran well. And that one day when we're in your presence, that we would hear those, those beautiful words come straight from your lips, Jesus. Well done, my good and faithful servant. We, we so long to hear those. God, we pray that we would worship you now in, in purity and holiness in a way that pleases you in spirit and in truth. We give you this time. We give you 2023. We ask that it would be an amazing year lived for you. In Jesus' name.